Not quite all folks, Elaine Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hallam, joined by. And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and today we are going back to um, a series we had a lot of very nice things to say about um, last year or earlier this year. The time's a fucking tundra these days. Um, and discussing what happens when they try and make it again 30 years later. That's right. We are finally, 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 finally going over the Hulu reboot of Animaniacs. Yes, you've all been requesting it. And mm-hmm. by all, I mean... Well, well, no one's requested it, but it's one of those things where it's like, we probably should cover this, because, yeah. again, it's another brand new Looney Tune-esque thing that came out while we are doing this show that we collectively went, cool, let's not look at that now, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's funny, because I remember you... Um, when the first season of this came out, I remember because there was so much hype. You, you guys all were there. There was there was so much hype towards you know. Oh my god, we're getting new Animaniacs. We're getting new Pinky and the Brain cartoons. All of this is coming now. It's fantastic. And I remember getting really hyped and like, oh, this is going to be incredible. All the promotional material. And then when it came out, I remember you watched a couple of episodes, and I don't think to this day, up until prepping for this, I hadn't seen a single episode of the reboot. Mm. Which is yeah, awesome. I mm-hmm. because yeah, I watched the first. I watched the first three episodes, okay. four episodes. Like I, I got a little farther into it than you did, but yeah, it, it, it was a simple case of time escaped me. You know that that happens a lot, yeah. honestly, with rebooted content that I care for. It's like yes, yes, yes. I sit there to watch it, and I see it's good, and I immediately think, okay, the next generation can have this. This is good. This gets the the '90s kid approval rating. Go on, go and get new fans. Anime X, y'all, right after the sunset. Now, given it's still really good for retro fans, but you know, I'd say as a as a new property for kids who don't know the original, I think that there's some pretty yeah, pretty good moments that that doesn't rely on you having to know that it's from it's an older property. Yeah, um, and I. I just um no, I, I do love the fact that in 2020 or in 2022 we can have kids watching new episodes of the Animaniacs. Like, you know. Uh it's cool to say. And, and also that, that it's leading to this whole thing where, okay, we're getting new tiny tunes in a year or so, or we're getting new renditions of all these other things. And so I like the fact that we are getting these new versions of it, even if like as you said, and I've, I've referred to this to several times to a lot of people, um, that there is this content avalanche that exists because of the accessibility of media right now. There is so much out there that can be accessed easily with streaming that so much gets buried under that content avalanche. And a lot of people like me who are trying to keep up with everything can't because so much is a priority and so much is being talked about at this very moment. And so a lot gets lost. And for me and for, honestly, I think a lot of people, I think Animaniacs, the new one, is one of those things that like, oh yeah, I feel all right about it, but I I, I don't know about it. And from the people that I have heard about that 
found this and got into this, I have heard some pretty rave reviews, and I'll t- I'll talk about it when we get when we get into yours, Mark. But um, some some very big things from a lot of friends who I did not expect to be really into Animaniacs. So oh. it is nice to at least affirm that okay, this is still going on. This is still good. This is still as snappily written as it was. You know, it's 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 very affirming that like yes, time can go on, but like you know, yeah, the Animaniacs are still doing the same things and they're still good. So yeah, I think the, the best way to put it, it's we do live in a time now where the people who grew up with the show and love the show, this is good for any property really. The the fact that time passes in a way where the people who grew up with the show grow up, go to college, get degrees in animation, and either the show's still on or they want to bring it back, they find a way to bring it back to a good place. So with Animaniacs, a lot of the crew are fans of the show. They grew up with the show. Yeah. Um, I don't watch as much SpongeBob, but I we are seeing now people who grew up with those first three seasons got those degrees, are in the field of animation, and are working on Spongebob. Yes. So it, it's one of those crazy things where it's it's literally the past generation saw the greatness of these things going, I think I have a pretty good idea on how it was that good. I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to this property that either hasn't been good in a while, or it could be brought back in a similar style of greatness. Right. And it is very funny that you bring up Spongebob because there was one of the segments of yours that gave me a very Spongebob vibe that I think is going to be interesting to talk about. Um, But yeah, um, we should probably tell you guys which ones we picked because we we tried to do a variety. We did one from season one, one from season two. So the first one is um, their Halloween episode from season one because... When you're making a streaming show and you know when it's usually they tell you when the release date is, so they go, Okay, we're we got released saw a Halloween episode. So there's their their Halloween episode. There's a multitude of segments. There's a lot of segments. Yeah. Um there's you no know, there's Phantom Maniacs, Fear and Laughing in Burbank, Bride of Pinky, and uh, the last one. And the one at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the second one episode we're covering is um, Yako Amako, The Longest mm-hmm. Word, Happy North Day, and Magna Cartoon. Because we kind of have to talk about Yako Amako. Like, we yeah. kind of have to. <laughs> By law. Um, yes. But yeah, um, I don't know if we need to do a ton of background on how and why this came back, but um, to give you the short story of it... Um, Hulu and Spielberg decided, hey, we want to do some more contemporary Looney slash uh, Amblin projects for Hulu. They got everybody back, and unlike the Futurama reboot, everybody played fair. <laughs> Although there there was some controversy because Sherry Stoner wasn't back, and therefore um, Slappy and Skippy were not part of the first two seasons. Um, and probably not the third season unless something like miraculous happens. Um, but yeah, they managed to get everybody back, including Rob Paulson, Jess Arnell, Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche. Rob had just uh, come back from having surgery on, I think he had throat cancer and he had to have some surgery. Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, they, they managed to get him back. And the long roll up to 2020, because they announced this in 
like closer to 2017, 2018, and that's when they started going into production on it. And we just, there was like the thread of new Animaniacs for a while. I'm like, all right, when are we going to get it? When are we going to actually have some of this air? And of course, because production schedules on animation are so convoluted these days, we didn't get these until 2020. And because Hulu doesn't know how to market things that aren't um, current, uh, we didn't end up hearing about you know the actual Animaniacs until like a couple months before <laughs> that. So it, 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 yeah, it, yeah. Hey, you know what was a lot of fun in 2020? Yeah. Following the because all the voice actors except for. Tress McNeil, but that's fine. Yeah. All the voice actors are active on social media. So the entirety of 2020, whenever Rob Paulson would tweet some, and just Harnell would tweet some, and there'd be someone that's like, hey, when's the Animaniacs thing coming out? And they're like, we don't know either, because yeah. that's a very important thing. Voice actors don't know when these things come out. They, they do the job. You go in a booth, you, you, you say some lines... They say, thank you very much, and it's not in your hands anymore. Like, yeah. look, if we're being inaccurate, Bob, let us know. But, um, uh, or let Mark know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified of people knowing who I am. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, no, that's basically just like, okay, we do our bit and it's out of our hands. And so, because we had basically people like Rob Paulson and Marcel Marsh to be like our beacons for what was going with the show. Their shrugging for a while was not a good sign. But of course, obviously it aired and they're doing like a season per year. As we record this, there is no official news on when season three is coming out. I would assume the same. Yeah, I I think it's coming soon because I think someone posted like like a music session and and there was like a picture of Yakko Wackman down the street. It's like, oh, I made season three. There it is. So yeah, so it will probably be out by... by It might be in November, um, like usual. Um, But yeah, no, and it's been pretty well received and people like this one and it's um, paved the way for um, Tiny Toons anniversary where it's, uh, where they are related. Um, So it's (laughs) very... Yeah, we have a whole fucking thing about that. No, it's, it's... of all the revivals of 30-year-old projects, I think this is one of the better ones, uh, oh, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. So, um, shall I dive into mine? <laughs> Can I go into my Zoom story first? Oh, I have right, one more yeah, story. I have one more story. So, um, again, Hulu didn't advertise the show much. The best people advertised the show were the voice actors, which is kind of scummy, honestly. Yeah. That sucks. It's like, okay, well, who's not doing it? Screw it. Uh, let's get together and talk about the show relentlessly. Yeah. So, the week the show came out, um, on, on November uh, 22nd of 2020, um, they announced, because Rob Paulson ha- has a history of doing, you know, at comedy clubs in LA, like, hey, we're gonna... It's me and the Ninja Turtles. We're going to talk about Ninja Turtles stuff. And sometimes we record for his podcast. Sometimes there'll be exclusive live events and so on and so forth. So during the COVID shutdown of uh, 2020, where everything went to Zoom, um, Rob and his son, Ash, with association with Flappers Comedy Club in LA, did uh, Game That Tune, which is kind of like a Zoom version of what they would do in person. And... I knew about this event for like a couple of days, and then just the day of the event, I I was, I was in my room 
doing nothing. I was like, I'm on my phone. I'm like, Animaniacs thing is in like three hours. Sure, why not? I got another plan. So I, I bought the ticket and attended the Zoom. And um, what it was, it was a it was a game that tune with the cast of Animaniacs. It was Rob, Maurice, Jess, and uh, Tress. So they're all woo, on the Zoom call just talking about the show, how it's doing. The, the show just came out at this point. So a lot of people were very positive on the show. So for, for the for the, the for, for the um for the Zoom panel, you really had to have your camera on, but I was like, you know what? I'll leave the camera on because why not? And a room is dark because I, I I didn't want to see my room. Like right. that's weird. It's like I, I, I'm gonna see my living space. So you know the panel's going along great. Lots of really you know, good questions about the show and stuff like that. Except there's this one asshole who was in like the chat who was like insisting. That that Rob's Yakko singing voice is a, is a different actor. It's like, oh, because of Rob's no. cancer, he can't sing. It's like, no, that's also that's a dick move. You're in a live really chat is, yeah. with the guy. Like, what the fuck you doing? That 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 uh, didn't like it. So so I'm enjoying the show. It's very emotional. Um, this show means a lot to people. So. You know, Things got pretty dark, you know, very, you know, hey, this show helped me through this horrible situation. Thank you so much for doing the show. And, you know, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it. And then you know, they get to a point where they're saying, like, go goodbyes and thank you and stuff. And they just start riffing on everyone in the chat. So I'm like, oh, that's oh fun. And then and then Tress goes, oh, hey, there's a in the dark mark. Um, I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, wait, that's... That's me. Oh, okay, first of all, holy shit, that, first of all, holy shit, that's Trust McNeil. That's like one of the most fantastic, best voice acting talent in the world today, not only I exist, which is crazy, but also, that's when it hit me, they could, they could see me the whole time. Yeah. Like, wait, they could, like, Rob Paulson could see me the entire time, or something, I mean, talent could just look right at the screen and go, oh, look, there's the guy in the very, very dark lit room. Hi! Like, ah, fuck. (laughs) So that was fun. Um, Also, I won something. Oh, Um, no. Apparently, yeah, they had a raffle where it's like, hey, you know, you you could win, like, like, it was like future Clapper comedy show Zooms. And they're like, and the winner is uh, Mark. And I, I was shocked. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I was shocked. I'm like, man, I wasn't supposed to do this. Like, oh, I was just a beer today, man. And, uh, Dante. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Literally, literally, that's what I said. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks, thanks. And then they sent me the, the email, and it was stuff I wasn't into. I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks, guys. I don't care about You really stuff. shouldn't have. Yeah, really. Um, they should have sent you so, like a lamp. <laughs> lamp. So yeah. Um, so I kind of met the cast of Animaniacs over Zoom nice. once. It was pretty cool. Nice. Very nice. Cool. We yeah. almost met um, Rob Paulson once, but um, oh yeah, <laughs> no, there was a miscommunication with the con hours, so we ended up not. But one, one maybe we will someday. I don't know. Um, I would love to. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to. No, no, they, they all seem like decent really guys. Nice guy. All right. Uh, can I get into the first one now? Absolutely. But before. No. <laughs> 
so this one, uh, which was their uh, their Halloween episode in the first season, uh, was released on November twentieth, twenty twenty. The I tried to do uh, what was in theaters on this day, and because it was still in the heat of the fucking pandemic, nothing was in theaters. Um, if you want to know what was number one at the box office, it was actually uh, Christopher Landon's Freaky, which is a very, uh, very fun horror comedy that I liked a lot. Oh, Vince Vaughn, Catherine, uh, what's her name? Oh, I love that movie. Uh, Catherine Newton, yeah. Um, uh, number one, uh, okay, I'll do the songs thing as usual. Uh, number one in the U.S. because it was uh, late 2020 was uh, "Mood" by 24 Karat Golden. Um, <laughs> perfectly fine um, song. You know, it, it it actually it was one of those songs where it's obviously a pop song, but it got play on my alt uh, alt rock station in in the New York area. So I'm like, okay, you're clearly scraping for stuff. If you you have to play "Mood." Um, and the number one song in the UK was uh, Positions by Ariana Grande. I am honestly going to go with that one. I won't blame me if you go with Mood. Mood's decent. So, uh, before I go into writing credits, all of these segments of this card, of this episode were directed by Katie Rice and written by, and I'll, I'll go into specs on all of them, but written by some combination of Wellesley Wilde, Greg White, Kathleen Chen, and Brian Polk. Some combination of the four of those people wrote each of these. Okay. So, the opening is it's uh, is a segment itself. Because unlike the usual Animaniacs, it doesn't have, like, it doesn't go in there, right? You know, it's time for anime. You know, it has a, a full cold open, which is called Phantomaniacs. Which is basically, it's the setup of Poltergeist, a family watching television. Where you just see the Warners come out of the TV. And it's basically, it's, it's Poltergeist, but uh, funny instead of scary. Like and you see them like like poke fun at, at the movie Poltergeist, which I've seen it. It's a very scary movie. Um, it's it's pretty good actually. Um, it's also a Steven Spielberg produced. Film. Yes, it is. So. And fun fact, <laughs> um, even though it does, the credits do say uh, directed by Toby Hooper. Spielberg basically directed Poltergeist. Um, in a way, I mean, yes, he was the producer. Yes, he was the higher thing. Toby Hooper basically deferred to Spielberg for a lot of it, and. Because he was coming off of, like, I don't know, E.T., he didn't want to be um, completely relegated to doing full horror because he was trying to do, you know, wholesome sci-fi. So it's like, all right, we'll put your name on it. But Spielberg basically made that movie. And that's why it's really good. Um, but yeah, no, there's lots of little um, deep cut gags. The movie Poltergeist, I like um, Yakko motioning to the toy clown and going, I'd keep, I'd keep an eye on this guy if I were you. Um, lots of little gags here, and it's very short because it's it's the kind of thing where it's it's very much like in the same tone of their back um, as a lot of the first season of this, um, and it oh, sort yeah, of yeah. and it segues into and I like this uh, a full uh, Halloweenized yes. opening sequence where it's like <laughs> it's it's more it's like a, a deeper sort not like a grayscale but like just a it, it just looks off it looks it looks spookier and they had they had. Whenever we get caught, but we break loose and never lose, and now you know the parts. We're 
I am I am always a fan of when cartoon shows do this. They change the opening to be all spooky and shit. It's edgy. I wonder why we do that. Hmm. Yeah. Because, because yeah, it's fun. Those are it's fun. fun to do. Yeah, it's and great. I, I love I love the the time the you know animated totally insane must, must eat, eat brainies. brainies. Very clever. I love that. <laughs> okay. Fear and Laughter in Burbank, uh, which was written by Greg White, Kathleen Chan, and Brian Polk. First of all, I just I love how proud this show is that it's set in Burbank rather than L.A. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, amazing. All right. So I, I just want to start out by saying this is how you open an Animaniacs cartoon. Random Dracula. Suddenly you pan out. The Warners are trick-or-treating at Dracula's coffin. Pan out further. It's a film set. They're kicked out. <laughs> Ten seconds. Beautiful. I guess some folks just aren't Halloweeners. Get out, everybody! And just with the sound of the frustrated director just putting it right over the edge. <laughs> Beautiful. So the whole thing is that it's 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 Halloween on the Warner lot, and they're they're going around and going to all the houses in the neighborhood, and you know Tom Fuller and everything. And uh, by the way, one thing that I want to make clear at this point. Uh, yeah, uh, Yako is dressed as uh, with Groucho Marx glasses. That's very cheeky. Yeah, and uh, and Wacko is dressed up as Harpo, I believe. Oh yeah, that, so they've got a whole Marx Brothers thing going. Yeah, yeah, I think they're dressed up as the Marx Brothers. Which yeah, that's pretty awesome. awesome, actually. Even though it is, I I, I saw Yako because obviously he's the Groucho Marx type, but yeah. yeah. So the, the whole the whole setup of this is that uh, they're all getting. There's there's a, a a house down the street that has all these oversized lollipops and candy apples things. Wacko loses his down a storm drain, and because this is a Halloween special and there's a storm drain, that means there's a killer uh, poltergeisty clown waiting at the end of it, which means we are doing an it parody, um, which is all the rage these fucking days. Um, it's 2020. Yeah. Hey, I will say there is a well-known uh, animated series that's doing an it parody in the year of our Lord 2022. So, um, oh yeah, it's hip, it's happening, it's Noah's Arcade. Um, they got there first, yeah, yeah, yeah. Animaniacs, way to go, Animaniacs. But yeah, there is this, uh, they, they call him Nickel Wise because, <laughs> and it's basically it. And I want to point out that the actor they got to play Nickel Wise is Peter Stamari. Peter Stamari has been in a million things and has been good in like most of them. Um, I know him best because he was uh, Gayar Grimsrud in Fargo, the bumbling, uh, uh, wood chipper fixated uh, sidekick to Steve Buscemi's character. He's also the villain in 22 Drum Street. He's done a lot of parts on a lot of animated shows because he's very good at playing like moronic European villains. Like He was in Jurassic Park The Lost World, which is probably how he knows Spielberg. Um, but he's, he's very good at playing all sorts of European ridiculous bad guys. And he's, he's very funny. Also, he was in the video game Until Dawn, which uh, yearly's plug number one. We did a whole video on what happened in there. <laughs> number one? My God, man. How many of them do you have in the chamber? Oh, you'll fucking find out. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's Peter Stamari doing a pretty cool, evil, villainous clown voice, honestly. And which is it's 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 a step up from just getting Maurice LaMarche doing an impression or doing his Charlton Heston or doing his um 
Guy from Seventh Seal impression or whatever. They actually get a well-known villain actor to play Nickel Wise, and I think he does a really nice job of it too. It's still in its wrapper. Well, come on, what's the matter? Are you scared? Yeah, just the the the, the initial stuff here about obviously getting Wacko to come down in the sewer um, to get to take the little candy apple. And uh, Wacko going, you know, uh, no thanks. It's It's been in the sewer. And the way Peter Stamara goes, what about the five-second rule? It's great. <laughs> but, yeah, and then, of course, a lot of this is, you know, the Warners having fun with this terrifying character. You know, there's a contrast of Wacko, who we established in the opening, hates clowns, but this guy's a cutie. It's great. <laughs> and then there's a lot of really good... Uh, Yakko lines in this bit where they're just sort of, you know, making fun of him. You know, sewer clown, are you? Typical. So what's your story? Rent too high in the circus district? <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, he says, oh, you know, I'm Nickel Wise, the dancing clown. Oh, you're a dancer? And so that's a whole hook. And then there's another great Yakko line. You look like a regular John Travolta, a regular dancer, a hilarious wig, and totally insane. Now, hang on a fucking minute. <laughs> I have worked with John Travolta's brother, and I can tell you, yeah, yeah, pretty on the nose. John, uh, his brother's his brother's great. His brother Joey's awesome. I think I may just watch too many cartoons because they have to demonstrate that uh, Nickel Wise steals the souls of children. And the second I saw a dopey fat kid come across dressed as Robin, I internally went, "It's Puddin from Billy and Mandy." But yeah, you know, it sucks out this kid's soul, and of course now there's stakes. And, and of course, you know, there's, there's a whole bit here about, you know, one of them, um, they comment on how bloated Nickel Wise is after eating the soul. And Yakko goes, kind of telling me, I went paleo three years ago and it's changed my life. Um, <laughs> which is great. Um, is. knowing what you know about, uh, Rob, yeah. Nickel Wise escapes. And I love the novelty of Ralph, a grown man. Who just dresses up as Batman for Halloween, even when he has a job as a security guard. Oh, I'll just dress up as Batman. It's, it's when you know a character long enough, you can have fun with that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we get this bit where all three of them, you know, go off chasing the balloons oh, and Nickel Wise. I, 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 I love this whole segment. It's great because Nickel Wise shows like them it. their deepest fears and it's, it's all really well thought out things. Um, because, you know, the writers, like, know these guys. It's like what Muppets Haunted Mansion tried to do, but, um, less weird. But I got a laugh out of, because obviously the whole thing with Dodd is that, oh, she's this eternally cute thing. And Nicola said, well, what if you were just this old thing? And, and again, great reads by Peter Stamari in this bit. And I got a laugh out of Dot making Nicolai's go back to the image of old Dot he conjured up. No, 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 go back. <laughs> what? There you are, beautiful. Ready to adopt some cats? Oh, boy, am I. <laughs> I love this show. Yeah, I mean, again, perfectly aiming to the character of Dodge. It's like, yeah. no, I don't care. We're going to have some fun. It's like, yeah. yes, that, that's the character. Love it, was it. A, it was around here in my notes that I also put, why the fuck does Peter Stamari as Nickel Wise sound like Gary Busey? Oh yeah, just eat up, little one. Let me know when you had enough. Gary Busey wasn't in it. No, he was located in the New Jersey area. <laughs> We're not talking about that. <laughs> no. Okay. 
No! <laughs> Nothing about Gary Busey being caught with his fly down in my hometown. None of that. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it also gives me the realization that if Tim Curry hadn't had his stroke, he would have been doing uh, Nickel Wise in this gladly. But, um, oh my god, yeah. That would have been fucking great. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought that, because, you know, all these different uh, horrors that he animates for them, I kind of thought that Wacko's, where Nikolai gives him a table of plastic food, but he still manages to digest it anyway, was kind of predictable, but well animated. <laughs> yeah, just, I just love, you know, it's like, no, it's all, it's all food, and like, uh, the, the Pennywise character puts up into a giant turkey. It's like, ah, you see? None of it's real. And Wacko just eats, eats him. him. Yeah. He just eats him. Man, it would have been a lot more quicker if the kids just fucking ate the clown. Yeah. That would have been a better movie. Although, then again, knowing the Chinese restaurant scene in uh, It Chapter 2, I don't think it would have been that simple. Oh. Oh, man, you could just have one kid like, oh, man, my fear is pudding. Oh, don't say that, because then Dead Alive exists. <laughs> no, 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 no. Better one, because I, li- I just watched this today again. Um, uh, I mean, one of the It kids could have been like, um, my fear is donuts. Oh, yeah. Just have go- all the donuts ah! you want. Um, 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 um. <laughs> More. It's <laughs> a great thing. I'll get it. It's a James Coco 12 minutes ago. <laughs> That's fucking great. All right. Um, All right. Yeah, I do like... Uh, my favorite one here was the, that Yakko's greatest horror is a boring office environment where no one can laugh at his jokes. It's very telling oh, and very man. well done by the writers, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Um, but obviously, you know, as Nickelwise is about to suck the soul out of um, Yakko, the other two come to his safety and begin to, you know... I, I'm going to say it. This has a better comeuppance for Nickelwise than It Chapter 2. Because the Warners just annoy him into oblivion and force him to return all the souls he took. Including the one kid from before who just says, I've seen the beyond, which that's a Ralph Wiggum line now. Yeah, it is. That's funny. But yeah, no, and the whole thing is they literally annoy him into oblivion and force him to literally disappear down the drain and, you know, dissolve. And I, I love the joke. This is such a common joke. I just love... Because he gets shrunk down because he loses all the swords, gets smaller and smaller. He jumps up into an elevator. Yeah. And then we get this nice shot of just the waters being ginormous. And then just Dot in a very dark, menacing voice going... Need a hand? <clears throat> Sorry. I mean, need a boost, little buddy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it's a common, it's common gag and a lot of stuff, but I, I, I just love that shit. But yeah, no, no, this is, again, I think this is a really good ending for an it-type story, and I love the ending of the Warners walking out of the Sooner going, you know, one, one second he's dancing into our hearts, the next second he's completely disappeared. Wow, he really is like John Travolta. Give that writer a raise right this fucking second. That's perfect. All right. Uh, this was a really, really, really damn good, um, Warner's Annoy episode, as I've coined it. Uh, great send-up oh, yeah. to It, uh, complete with Peter Stamari bringing it and doing actually a really nice job. A really good translation of, you know, the It concept to a classic um, Animaniacs archetype. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it's just the Warner's being a scarier threat than Pennywise. It's a great yeah. idea. 
I love how they how they've executed. I also find it funny, by the way, how because I think they did an it parody in the nineties as like a code open of Maybe? like something following. Uh, I think it was like something was following Wacko, <laughs> and that was like a send of it. So uh, I find it funny how they were able to make fun of it twice. That's, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. But yeah, um, I'm giving this a four and a half out of five. I really like this one. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm also going to say 4.5 out of 5. Cool. All right. The next is the requisite Pinky and the Brain cartoon, Bride of Pinky, written by Greg White and Wellesley Wilde. Um, right off the bat, just the idea of casting Pinky and the Brain as Dr. Frankenstein and Igor is a great idea. Because it's, it's, it's Pigor, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, or and Dr. Frankenstein. Dr. Brainenstein, yeah. Right off the bat, one of my favorite jokes in this, because it's obviously it's establishing the setting and it's establishing, obviously, the Pinky and the Brain duo. And Pinky's like, you know, I've just now noticed that um, this place is really well done, actually. I, I haven't realized how well the castle's been made up. And 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 the Brain goes, oh, this we've, we've had a... Um, this was uh, crafted by those only skilled in the latest techniques of wallstone craft. Ha! Joke only select few people will get. <laughs> Because Wallstonecraft is Mary Shelley's middle name, and she wrote the book. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, as well as it literally that's being Wallstonecraft. That is fucking exactly. genius. And again, the writer should get a raise. The whole thing is that it's you know it's getting a gaggle of um, body parts from the the cemetery. And while I was confused by the presence of the Warners, because they don't usually show up in in thinking the brain cartoons. Well, no, no, no. Well, normally they would show up in... I would read off a name of all the secondary characters who don't show up in the reboot, but, but they would be here all day. They usually show up in those shorts, so now it's like, here's a tucked in... Whatever, they brought Pinky and the Brain back, and that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and so it's like, it, it turns into the whole thing where obviously they're going to reanimate a dead corpse and then bring it back to life because it's a Frankenstein parody. And so there's the usual pondering what I'm pondering joke, which is, I think so, Dr. Brainenstein, but isn't 11 just a fancy way of saying one team? That's my, that's my passable impression of Pinky. Thank you very much. Um, oh, that's your uh, inexplicable Cockney accent? Yeah. And that's another thing, yeah. Cause, um, <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> again, because we have this whole, you know, this sequence where, you know, the... the, the the creation's brought to life, complete with great animation on brains and I laugh. And the, the creature is this weird part dragon, part other creature thing that, um, and it's, uh, um, it, it's, it's just a funny looking design, at least creative. And Brain describes Pinky to his creation as having an inexplicable Cockney accent, which is great. Um, but the whole hook of this is um, the monster can't, you know, terrorize the civilians because the monster has fallen in love with Pinky. And that's most of this because Pinky goes, you know, I will, I will call you Drizilla because it's a girl's name I saw on a gravestone, which is a great line. And we get a full Pinky and Drizilla are in love montage, like just with lots of things where just the, the brain is watching them just really disgusted. Like, this is really how this is going. I love the bit where they're just sitting by the lake and then Drizilla's kicking, kicking her feet in the water and it turns the lake, turns the water green and kills all the fish. I love that while this is going on, Brain's in the back just digging up for dead body parts. Yeah, because he's, he's trying to... Because the whole thing is like, because right, right, he's like, okay, I'm going to make another creation, another monster, and he's actually going to 
scare the bejesus out of the rest of the town. And then it's the exact same time where um, Binky's like, all right, I'm going to ask this monster to marry me. And we're going to have a wedding. This leads to a very funny scene where Pinky is getting wedding cakes, where they, they give him a fourth seed grain. It's like, they discovered a fourth seed? Mmm, mm, gluten-y. Yeah, it's very good. And, you know, there's, there's lots of little bits here and there. I didn't, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the stuff with Drizilla herself isn't as funny as it could be. But, I mean, it's an interesting monster design. It's an interesting concept for this. Um, yeah. We we yeah. go to um I, I do like how yeah. um I love the the dead corpse comedy I did really like I like that <laughs> whenever like like Pinky puts the ring on her and her finger falls off, falls off yeah. or she kisses him and her lips fall off yeah that was good or she walks or he asks her what does she think of the cake and she just immediately just eats the people who run yes. the business exactly. leading to Pinky to to hug her as he falls mm. in between her rib cake. You see this shot of inside her stomach <laughs> as the two people are squished in between each other. Pinky's like, oh, this is great. This is <laughs> It's very funny because Pinky's completely oblivious to the horrors of all of yeah. this. It's great because he's so in love. Um, again, there's another. There's so many great lines in this, even if conceptually it is kind of simple. Like, I love the bit on Pinky asking Brain about appetizers. But Brain, we haven't settled on the past apps. It doesn't matter. Just do a bruschetta and maybe a stuffed mushroom. There's this old conflict where Brain wants to reanimate the next um, monster, and Pinky's like, but you're supposed to be my best man. And Drizilla literally drags him, ties him up to her, and makes him come to the wedding. You know, you came! Yes, this is completely voluntary. <laughs> Just again, this wedding scene has a lot of really funny comedy details. Where the priest uh, reveals that Drizilla has an Italian name. I didn't know you were Italian. Actually, just the spleen and feet. <laughs> feet! <laughs> it's great. Um, and then, of course, the, the townspeople realize that the monster is, in fact, a monster. And they have their pitchforks lit. One of them has a pitch spork re- leading to line, Oh, stop trying to make pitch sporks happen, um, Dave, or whatever his name is. <laughs> I think my favorite gag in this entire thing, because again, there's this whole thing where where Pinky vouches for you know, but this is my wife, you know, yada yada, um, you know, this is, she's wonderful to me. She may be a monster, but so 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 you know, the, the same moral they usually do. And, when, and so there's this exchange with some of the townspeople. You can't judge a book by its cover, can you? What what's a book? This God's evil. So snappily written. Again, what a lot of people said when I was hearing about the new Animaniacs is like, oh my God, Pinky and the Brain are so good now, and. It's funny because I think that they were implying that it wasn't very good in the first season and it got better in the second season, which I didn't feel at all. But I do think that the snappiness of a lot of these Pinky and the Brain cartoons are still there and that these are always just really well written. Um, also, I like that the townspeople realize that Brain is the real monster because he's setting all these monsters loose on the town and driving property value down. <laughs> And he goes on this rant, like, am I really that evil? Am, am I incurring high interest rates? You know, that's evil, or something like that. Just just completely trying to change the topic and feeling yeah. miserably. No, it's very good. Um, but, yeah, um, and again, like, he, we go back to Brain's uh, office, I suppose. 
where he flips the switch to try and generate the next monster. He instead brings down the balloons for the father-daughter dance. Was her father in attendance? Fuck happened there? Is is the father technically brain? I suppose. Yeah, I think probably. Yeah. Something that's. Um, I just love that. Just down the balloon switch next to the lightning switch. Yeah. No, it's 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 great. Um, and yet, of course, you know, the other creature is another Frankenstein type. And Drazilla just immediately falls in love with the other creature and, like, lets Pinky go. And, um... Meh. Again, the shrug that she has is great. Meh. And then they, they leap out the window together and just fall apart on the ground. <laughs> the dead guy humor in this was great, actually. They let that be as gross yeah. as it should be. Yeah. I, I do like the line um, well, right before she falls in love with the guy where um, Piggy is talking about having kids. Yeah. Like, oh, the word, it's oral adopts. And there's like another line where, where he's like, unless uh, unless you can lay eggs, I can't do that. <laughs> That's just, great. Again, how lovestruck that uh, he is is fantastic. But, yeah, we have... Um, we- I love that because there's this ending where where Pinky or the brain has to um, you know comfort Pinky and and, to, and there's a great line you know the average lifespan of a laboratory monster is three months at best either way it would have been it would have ended in unbearable tragedy <laughs> and um, and you know it wraps up as as the Pinky and the Brain uh, cartoons usually do with of course there's going to be another t- opportunity to take over the village and yada yada but yeah you know, it's, it's a Pinky and the Brain cartoon. I liked this one. Maybe plot-wise it was a bit simple because it's basically just Frankenstein. I did like it. I liked the hook of Pinky falling in love with the monster. I loved the snappiness of the writing. I did think it was a bit on the simple side, but I still think as a Pinky in the Brain cartoon, it was still pretty damn good. Agreed. All right. <laughs> four out of five. I like this film more than you did. I'm giving this a 4.5 out of five. I, and that's perfectly re- all right. I really dug the humor in this. Yeah. All right, so what's this last segment that you told me not to watch? Well, I told you not to watch it because there's really nothing going on because it's barely anything like an Animaniacs. It's called Things That Go Bump in the Night, and it's written by Kathleen Chen and Brian Polk. And it basically, the purpose of this cartoon is to fill the last two minutes of this episode. So really, it's just a bunch of monster eyes bumping into each other in pure darkness. And, and there's not much more to it than that book. It's just more larger monsters, a different type of monsters with different type of voices communicating with each other in the middle of the dark, including one gigantic one that is even more horrifying that they basically, the rest of them tell them to screw off. And it's, it's a minute. It's a minute of screen time and it doesn't really do anything. It, it comes and goes without anything going on, without any real familiar voice actors or anything. It was basically just a time filler. And it wasn't very funny. Two out of five. So, overall, what would you give uh, final thoughts on this episode? Uh, this is a pretty good one. No, I like they really went there with some of the more morbid Halloween vibes. I like that they went there with making the It parody kind of scary and making the Frankenstein kind of gruesome and actually giving back to horror fans as well as, you know, kids, because this is for kids. Without, again, so it's not like going to scare the shit out of people. It's just like, you know, it's it's respectful. And it's a very respectful parody all over. I really liked the... The, the the Pennywise one. I thought that one was really, really well done. I also like the Pinky Brain one. Uh, the other one was there because they wanted to, they wanted a 25-minute episode. I don't blame them. 
Uh, I thought it was a very strong episode, and I am glad you picked it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, th- this is just a, a lot of fun. I really dug the creativity of the uh, of the it segment. Yes, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, also, I find funny how making all these uh, Simpson references. Uh, Wesley Wilde was a part of the Simpsons. Oh, he, he was he. Yeah, there he, you go. Like, original, original writer. Season like one. Wow, all right. He's been in the biz for years. All right. Uh, This episode for me gets a four out of five. Very, very, very good modern Animaniacs. I agree. And I'm also going to say four out of five animals. So, the other episode we're covering today is Yako Amako, Longest Word, Happy Narf Day, and Magna Cartoon. Came out on November 5th, 2021, a year later. Um, Garage, what happened on that day? The Top five song on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one was Easy On Me by Adele. Um, mm. Number three was Industry Baby by Lil Nas X. Oh, nice. Number five was Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> okay. And number four was Fancy Like. All right. <laughs> so they can't all yeah, be. Yeah, and number two was Stay by the Kid Lardy and Justin Bieber. So, you know, it was... Yeah. it was The Kid Leroy, Adele's not the Kid Lardy. Oh, is it? Oh, it was Leroy? My bad. That O looked a little bit like yeah. a D, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, but it was Adele's week, essentially. Yeah, I mean, look, she I, came I, back. I, I checked. I think that was also number one in the UK as well, so she had a very yeah, big week. Um, very good for her. Yeah. Um, I checked what was in theaters that day. Um, Mark, you know what came out in theaters that day? <sighs> yeah, see, so you gotta think. We're on a birthday month. Last year. Birthday Last month. Year. Was it something we would have really liked? No! <laughs> ah, shit. Uh, oh, fuck. Shit. Oh, god damn it. it, it, it it's Eternals. Yeah, it's right? Eternals. Eternals. Um, oh, god. Yeah. Oh. The good news is that there were some good movies in theaters that day, because Dune was still out, No Time to Die was still out, and... I think this is stretching the definition of good, but Venom there, Let There Be Carnage was also out. So, oh, that was um, fun. I enjoyed that movie. No, but... Um, a Eternals, bad movie that is somehow still good. The Eternals. Uh, funny thing about the Eternals movie, um, that was the first Marvel movie we saw here in theaters after the pandemic, or at least mm-hmm. when it was... Did we not see Black Widow together? We did. We did. Hmm. That's a lot. We just forgot about it because it was kind of a forgettable movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so we saw Eternals. Eternals, we at least remember because it was bad. And like, we, it, it was a bad I haven't felt since we saw like the pre MCU films. You know, it was like a oh, this is like a X Men Last Stands or situation of badness here. This is nonsensical. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fucking boring. Yeah, very, very boring. I, I was and like. The, the mid-credits scene tries to pass off a Guardians of the Galaxy feel, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yes, with Harry Styles, who we know now can't act. So... <laughs> so fun with that, guys. In like three years, we had to do his yeah. movie. We should do the, the Gene Shalit review, you know. I would say, Marvel, do worry, darling. Harry Styles doesn't have many Harry smiles in that movie. It made me want to eternally go to the bathroom and not come back. 
Yes. I'm Gene Shallot, and you remember me because I wasn't very good. Uh, By the way, I have have one more on this day for that day because I looked and I found one. Um, On that day, November 5th, 2021, uh, NFL uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers admits in interviews he is unvaccinated and taking unapproved treatment after testing positive for COVID. The fucking idiot. Oh, I'm a big, I'm actually, fun fact, I am a part-time shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. Um, And... (laughs) Because it's a it, it's a um, mutually owned. The, the, basically, you you can there that doesn't have an owner because it's owned by the Knights of Columbus and Green Bay. So you can put in for a share of the Packers. So I own the Packers, and uh, Aaron Rodgers has been very good to that team, and he's also a moron. <laughs> and so I had to deal with that shit last year. You know him and his COVID mm. toe. You know so that was fucking yeah. fun. Lots of fun. All right, going to so, it. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had to get so. Through. This episode was directed by Brett. Uh, the, the, the segments individually were directed by either Brett Barron or Katie Rice. Uh, Katie Rice directed two of the segments in this episode. Written collectively by Lucas Cranless. Apologies. Uh, Timothy Nash, Kathleen Chen, Brian Polk, and James Butler. So some uh, some interesting notes here about this episode. Um... The first segment in this episode got some attention for being the first piece of WB animation to feature a certain cartoon character. Around Uh this time, he was presumed to be, quote, canceled. (laughs) He was presumed dead. He was killed by the the Russians. Uh, (laughs) Yes, sure. Um, Due to his actions of, for years, being a character that way put himself towards a woman who didn't want him because he was a skunk. It, uh, they know who it is, well. Mark. Oh, okay. It's Pepe Le Pew. Yes, Pepe, it's Le, Pepe Pew Le Pew has a cameo in, in the first uh, segment. It's been well reported on. Yes. Um, oh, the fandom loved this because oh um, the, yeah. con- the cameo confirmed that Pepe The fandom loved Parker. it because a lot of people stand Pepe. Yeah. And... Um, that's that's fine. Just uh, don't be annoying. You know, I I have this to say about about the Pepe stands. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anime fans who like stereotypically will just lust after random anime men and going, I love I love my stinky son. This is my stinky son. And then that's like the whole stereotypical thing. But it's even more stereotypical to stand a fucking stinky. Son. Character, a, a literal stinky. A, you're, you're standing a skunk. What are you doing? What's the deal with goddamn, this? You're standing, you're, you're standing a goddamn fictional cartoon skunk who's like 80 years old. What are you doing? I had an ex-girlfriend who would do that over characters from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I love my stinky son. It's a fucking cartoon man named after a band from the 70s. Get over yourself. She doesn't listen to this. It's fine. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> um. So yeah, the Pepe Le Pew fandom loved this cameo as they yes. confirmed that Pepe as a character wouldn't just disappear forever. He hasn't appeared since. True, hasn't <laughs> been as heavily utilized as he has been in the past. Which even then, it, it, it's not like in the nineties, Pepe Le Pew mania was. It, it, it's not like he was the Taz of the nineties, you no. know. 
where like Taz is ruled like for, for in the night all of a sudden Taz was the biggest thing. It's not like Pepe ever had that. You know, it's no. not like in, in the two thousands Pimple Le Pew was like the best cartoon guy. No, he's he, he he's just one of the repertoire. This episode, by the way, um, I, I didn't plan this. This is also the most like Looney Tunes esque episode of the uh-huh. show because there's there's Pepe Le Pew. The the first short is a is a parody of a famous Looney Tunes cartoon. There's the title card for the longest word in the English language is a Looney Tunes as title card yeah. with the font of Looney Tunes and the shield of Warner Brothers. It's it screams Looney Tunes, which is pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> All right, let's once again have me look at a duck and muck type cartoon. Woo. Yeah, it's on. All right. I, mean, I think you just really wanted to do this one. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, it's very clear. I really didn't like how I handled duck and muck. Because it was only in the show, and like, I thought I was just rambling for the entire length. So that's one that if we were like, hey, let's do like a redo, like, that's when I would do a redo on because I completely butchered it, in my opinion. It's fine, it's fine. So, here's Yakko, Yakko Amako is what it's called. This thing was written by Lucas Crandless, written by Anne Timothy Nash, directed by Brett Barron. The opening music of this segment is Yakko's World, done in a jazz-like way. It's very nice, mm. it's very nice. I didn't notice it. Um, <laughs> so, right off the bat, I love this first line, because it's... It's... <laughs> We just fade in. There's Yagi. He's talking to us. He's like, you know, I was going to vote no on Warner Brothers taking away our health plan, but the unlimited ice cream was just too good to refuse. As we pan back, and Yako has this ginormous thing of ice cream that he's going to eat, which that's that's funny because now Warner Brothers would absolutely do that if they had the power. Yes. Just one day on Variety, Warner Brothers takes away actors' right to have lunch breaks to save yeah. five cents or something. It's uh, David Zaslav worries they're going to go underwater again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He should go underwater, <laughs> Um no, So because Aquaman two is never coming out. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so <laughs> remember back in like April, they had a whole trailer of all the amazing DC films that were going to kind of come out in the rest of 2022, and just fucking Black Adam oh, was man. there. They played it right in front, right in front of the Batman. Yeah, it's like um, experience the wonder of DC, and then like four of them got fucking pushed. <laughs> so we're introduced to the Animator, who immediately erases all, all of his ice cream. Like, hey, I was gonna have that. Give it back right now. And this was way early, early in the shorts. I thought it was gonna happen, but um, she draws Pepe Le Pew. Yes. <laughs> and Yako just likes Pepe Le Pew. And I gotta admit, I love the line from Pepe. <laughs> this is not something I would usually say, but uh, things may be moving a little fast for moi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. I can't believe I'm saying this, but amazing use of Pepe Le Pew. And also, yes. I love Pepe resisting being racing. It's a voyage. She is cold and dark. Get used to it, buddy. It's post Me to America. Uh, boy. Yeah. 
one thing I do want to say about this as a Duckamuck update is that it also updates, like, the original was obviously done with a, pen, a paintbrush and, you know, pencil and things, and now it's done with copy and paste assets on computers and uses styluses rather than pencils. And so it shows us that the art form has updated, and so is the show. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, this isn't the first Looney project to do this idea, though. I know, but still. It, it's done pretty well. Um, because, um, cause believe it or not, having a Bugs Bunny that's kind of off isn't as fun as just seeing Raw Pulse and as, as the echo loses his goddamn mind. I'm sorry, yeah. this is way more entertaining. Yeah. We'll get to Wabbit in, like, 2025. Um, yeah, we'll get to it eventually. Apologies to Wabbit, we yeah. ran out of time. Yes. Um, so... Eventually, Jack is like, listen, just give me the ice cream back. And she just drops a bunch of ice cream into the shot, and it turns out it's rum raisin. Yeah. Rum raisin? Now it's personal. And Yako brings up, he's like, listen, the Looney Tunes have already done this, like, a hundred years ago. It just pulls down a, a, a shade, and it's the Duckamuck, like, logo. I which love is that. respectful. Love that. Like, yeah, we're just ripping off the classic. Like, just uh, 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 later. There's a gag where he, where the the animator um, like messes with a pothole or, or like a sewer hole. So like he starts falling through to a point where Yako mentions that that was just a, a rip off of Portal Two, which came off of Portal One. Which I came love off that. Of, like all these other things. It's weird to me that Animaniacs are making Portal 2 references. Right? Yeah, like, like a Portal even, even if Portal 2 did what did end up winning the 2011 Yearlies on the Yearlies YouTube channel, like and subscribe, um, it's weird that Animaniacs are bringing it up. And also, and I, I mentioned that I had some connection to this. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, got to watching this before I did, like not too long after it came out, and was sending me clips from this episode, specifically the Portal 2 reference, because Portal 2 is her favorite game. So, oh yeah, nice. Like I'm like, oh shit, they're acknowledging Portal Two. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, after this, we get some we get some more gags. Um, I was just Yakko just commenting on how you know it's it's like really we're, we're doing we're doing this from Duckamuck. We're doing this from Duckamuck. There's one where you know the animator erases Yakko completely except his mouth. He's like, okay, please draw me back. And she and the animator draws Yakko in his 1990s original anime X design like to which that. just yells it's like ah oh, okay okay yeah actually you know, it would be funny if if if, if, if but like right after like she just draws the entire cast of Animaniacs it'd be really funny yeah. it's like hey what about the, we're here and eventually Yakko's like no 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 erase them erase them they're not in this one <laughs> This is where they started uh, just giving Yakko other people's voices, right? Like, oh my! The novelty yes, of giving Yakko Ralph's voice. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Republic of the, the Dominican. Uh, poor Ralph. He never stood a chance with this voice. <laughs> Change me back into a warner. And, and the reason he does this is because, you know, Yakko's like, oh, listen, you can mess with my design, but you can mess with my voice. Until as he starts do. singing Yakko's world. Yeah. Which, okay, I watched a couple of episodes from season one before this. 
Okay, here's the rant. A lot of the episodes in season one, from what I saw, made jokes about Yakko's world. That Yakko sings Wacko's world. That Rob is a very good singer, so he sings a lot. And when I was watching it first, it, it, it kind of felt like, and, and Jordan more aware of this than I am, honestly, but it's like when Community came back on Yahoo's screen and the very first episode were all jokes about revivals. And I wasn't used to Community's writing, so I was watching this episode going, Oh my god, I fucking get it! You were revived! Good for you! Drop it! There was some, some moments... How, there's like two Yakko's references in this episode alone. But I was like, okay, Yakko's world is great. It is. <laughs> can we please stop? It's a great song, but like, can we stop always referencing it? Yes, yes, it's great that Rob Paulson is in this, because that's probably why they're doing all these, like, look, Rob, Rob's here. We could have lost him, so we're going to make all the goddamn Yakko's World mentions we want to, because he can. And I yeah. respect that. That's great. It's just a little bit great. So if I remember correctly, when we had our, um, when we went to, um, our, uh, talking, not talking, our, um... Yes, that is his podcast. Twisted Tunes, um... Yes, yes, he they, did. He even made a yeah. um, World reference there. So, yeah. he, he knows that's his bit. And he knows he, it. He loves it. That's great. Yeah. Um, the best part of this whole bit where other people, where they're giving other people, whack, uh, or doing other people, ha- doing uh, whack, Yakko's voice, um, I laughed very hard at yeah. Yakko at having Wacko's voice and then going, Hang on, I always wanted to try this. People used to say there were better drummers than me, even in the Beatles. People can be real jerks. You know, I was always more of a George guy anyway. Just doing Ringo. <laughs> Peace and love. Which, that, that, that's a well-known trivia thing with that Maniacs is it's Wacko just is just Jess Harnell's Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> and so, why not? And then the line at when he switches back. I was always a George guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, because after this they do all these like um, different art styles. Like, like the animator makes a Van Gogh type landscape, and Yakko responds, "While you're at it, why don't you cut your ear off?" <laughs> yeah, and, and he goes to the um, m- the um, melting clocks. That one. The persistence of memory. The persistence of memory. It just, uh, it just looks less at the clock. It's like, four minutes and 50 seconds. We gotta hurry this sketch along. It's like, we gotta hurry this up. <laughs> That's great. I love, again, it's just wonderfully meta. Yakko, you're in the world of streaming. None of this matters. Yeah. <laughs> you can go as long as you want. But um, I do like the bit where he's like, listen, you can do whatever you want for me, but I'm I'm unique. I'm the only one. As he has the admin. Makes four more of them. It's like, oh, God. On the other hand, our Yak Street Boys idea just became a lot more feasible. I call Nick Carter. Wait, which one am I? Howie D. Ah! <laughs> Such good writing. So good. Yeah. And speaking of The Simpsons, this is probably an easy get. Um, eventually, Yaku goes, please, wherever you do, don't draw six arms on me. And she draws six arms on him. 
and he gets the pen, pulls the animator through, and it's Nancy Cartwright voicing a Warner Brothers animator. Oh, yeah. I didn't even recognize that was Nancy Cartwright. Yeah, I, I looked it up before I watched it. I was like, oh, shit, it's Nancy Cartwright. Awesome. Cool. That's cool. And, you know, eventually she just... And, like, it's, it's different because we actually get a perspective. Like, listen, being an animator is tough work. Making fun of with cartoons is my... It's what I do to kill time. Please, I'm, I'm not doing this to be mean. I love you guys. And you know, Yakko forgives her. It's like, oh, it's it's okay. It's okay. While I have you here... um, <laughs> And I I love this so Oh, it's much. a great ending. Where we, we cut to um the, the psychiatric ward of Warner Brothers. And it's... It's, it's uh, a doc, um, Dr. Scratch and Sniff. And it's like... And how did that make you feel? It was just—it's just a room full of scratch and snips trying to do therapy on each other. I it's love great. that. I love that. I love that so much. And how does that make you feel? Nine. How does that make you feel? Nine, nine, nine. I'm asking you. How does that make you feel? Also, the lady with the, who does the charts um, now suddenly having the voice of Daffy Duck. Say, uh, do we even have the right to use this voice? <laughs> well, well, yeah, you're Warner Brothers. Of course yeah. you do. Well, okay. You know. Anyways. Uh... It's honestly, this is honestly a perfect ending because the creator and the creation are united in pursuit of tomfoolery instead of just still being at odds by the end of it. It's honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's an improvement on the original because instead of still being, you know, the, the, the defeat over creation, creator... It's actually like, okay, we can work really well to get each other with each other if we, you know, understand where we're coming from. And, you know, it's a very cool ending for this sort of thing. Yeah, this this did the Doug and Mark plot very well. Um, lots of fun gags. And this is just about the reboot itself. I do like what they've done with the Yaku character. He's a lot more sure of himself. Mm-hmm. He has a bit of an edge... That, yeah. It was there in the original, but it's definitely a lot more here now. And it's it's great. It really... This version of Yakko could do Duckamuck. I don't think the version yes. of Yakko in the original could have done Duckamuck. No. I agree. Um, it's a- I love, 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 love this. Um, such a great translation of the concept. A great creative way of doing this. So many really good Duckamuck-style gags. I love the ending. I loved... The translation. It's just really, really, really damn good. Though I, I just realized the irony. Because you said that was Nancy Cartwright. And I think it is very ironic that last episode's first segment ended by making fun of a Scientologist. And this episode's oh. first segment ended <laughs> with the voice of a Scientologist. <laughs> oh, that's why she doesn't get out much. Nope! Huh. In case you didn't know, Bart Simpson's a Scientologist. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Anyway, this was fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving this a, um... I'm giving this a 4.5 out of 5. Animals. Swine! 5 out of 5. That's fine. That's fine. Swine! Coward! I don't give it a 4.95. Happy. <laughs> oh, like you did with fucking One Froggy Evening? Sure, go for it. <laughs> All right. 
So we then get this next segment that's supposed to be an educational moment. Educational television. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the longest <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, we made that reference like 15 times. It sounded like Anthony Hopkins in, in Thor. You know the bit from Thor where he tells, um, where he's reaming out, Thor, uh, Odin's reaming out Thor, and then uh, Loki's like, hey, father, if I'm my dad, and goes, hey! <laughs> play it in. Okay, fine. So, the same as I, it's I was laughing so hard like, at that gag, I was Thor. I'm Gene oh, Shallot. Oh. I'll be here for two more gags. Boo. Bring back Troy McClure. <laughs> I am not in this one. So, the longest word in the English language, um, which also which also kind of something in the original, you know, it's like, you know, I think, actually, I, I do have to say, they do a lot of mess of Yakko's world in this remake. The best one they did was in the original, which was like it was Yakko sings every word in the English dictionary, set to the tune of United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama. It, yeah. it, it's a great bit. So they can do as much as they want, but that that's the best Yakko's world meta thing. Anyways, so what this is the longest word in English language? It's just the Warners trying to teach the longest word, and each of the Warners are annoyed by it. So they switch up who teaches the lesson. Yeah. And, um, d- 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 no, there's some good bits in here. Yeah, but it's a lot of just interplay and a lot of just bouncing off each other. And Yeah, yeah. I-, I like how we start in, like, a typical classroom setting. And then as soon as Wacko takes over, it becomes, like, a preschool. I don't like he starts teaching like, a preschool child. And then Dot takes over and she's a nun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Catholic school. It's a Catholic school. <laughs> Has the great. ruler and everything. Yeah, and, I will uh, say, there's, yeah, I do like what this short did with being educational without being condescending. Like, hey, here's some useful random information about words and things while we're making you laugh. Like, like that, I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, I love how Don is ready to pop off around Wacko because like he has he has like a spider puppet he's like teaching yeah, I love the words spider puppet she just throws her across the room like, love that and um the, uh, the end of it is just you know dot gives up she's like you know what i'm going to read my romance novels while you watch this this video apparently this is a show where four nerds learn about the big bang theory and i'm putting it on in spanish so it counts as your language <laughs> which What's funny about that is it's true. <laughs> okay, okay. Did you did you have this in your Spanish class? Like they put on, you know, usually it's like a Disney movie. It's like, oh, we put on, yes, like the Little Mermaid, but we yes. switched to Spanish or something or mm-hmm. something like that. Lion King, Madagascar two. We had our fair share. Madagascar two, really? That was oh, the one where our Spanish, our my Spanish teacher that semester was a really cool guy. He 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 got the right idea, and he was he was also. Like, there, like, that was the class where he, he, he put on, like, he was like, I'm having my, because my, I was in, like, 2A. And he was like, I'm having my four honors Spanish guys watch this really cool Guillermo del Toro movie. You guys want to see it, too. Oh. And so he, we put on The Devil's Backbone, and that's a really fucking cool movie. Um, but that was the one. No, no. Madagascar 2 was the one. He prefaced it by saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to put on a movie. But, um... 
I just, I just want you guys, you know, you guys don't, you shouldn't tell your parents because nobody's wearing any clothes in it. And he puts on Madagascar <laughs> too. <laughs> that was his sense of humor. He was That's a really fantastic. cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. My, my best math teacher, um, well, actually the all as much as I had in, in high school were good, but I had one my, my junior year. Yeah. 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 My junior year. My, my junior year. Well, okay, at first I didn't like him. Because, you know, the homework was hard or whatever. And then one day, I went to his homeroom to, to do some extra work. I handed it in. His homeroom was having a party. So he's like, hey, Mark, um, do you want a brownie? I'm like, brownie? Yeah, I'll have a brownie. And immediately I'm like, hey, you give a student a brownie. We're square. We're good. We're even. <laughs> but the best thing, the best fucking day in that class was we were sitting in class. And he comes in the room. He's wearing a green striped shirt, beige pants, and like a belt. Now, what does that sound like? Steve from Blue's Clues. Steve from Blue's Clues. He went to work. He he has never seen Blue's Clues. He just put this ensemble on and... And I could not contain myself the entire fucking class. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. I cannot take you seriously at all. I'm just picturing either A, wow, Steve, we let this stuff go. Or B, it's just a, it's a bizarro world where Steve grew up in Mexico. And this is like, this is Blue's Clues in an alternate reality. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Fast teachers, man. They're good. They're good. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it ends by basically, um, you know, the moral of this story is the Big Bang Theory sucks, essentially. Um, yeah. They said it, not so, me. Actually, it's so funny because I, I did recently, I didn't watch a lot of Big Bang Theory, but I just randomly watched the final moments of the Big Bang Theory finale. Yeah. It's very nice. It is. You know, what I don't like about that show is that after a while it stops really being a sitcom and then they all got, <laughs> they all hooked up, got married and, you know, it, it became less plausible because it was less about their lives and more about, okay, all of them have jumped the shark now. All of them are doing their own separate stories. It's not really about, you know, just nerdy Damn people man. getting along. It's just about, oh, they're they're not very nerdy. But this one. All right. So the next segment is um, the Pinky Are, are you giving that one a rating or no? No, I'd give it like a like a three point five out of five. Animals, it was all right. I liked it a lot more than you did. I'm giving it a four point five. I thought it was a really good interstitial. Yeah. Not much to it, but so many writing moves and character bits that I think it was really underrated. So on to the ping in the brain segment, which is called Happy Narf Day. Right, and just we get the concept. Immediately. It's Pinky's birthday. Yes. My God, what can you do with that? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to do with it. Because there's a whole thing. It's Pinky's birthday, and we get to do... Which means Pinky and the brain get to do whatever Pinky wants. And almost immediately, I got a Squidward torture porn vibe from this episode. 
where very similar to um, bits of dying for pie, where yeah. Um, they yeah. do all of SpongeBob's uh, to-do list, including saying hi to everyone uh, in a salmon suit. You're gonna be wearing a salmon suit. <laughs> Good one, Squidward. Oh. <laughs> hi, Ralph. <laughs> but um, all my favorite my favorite things are in red. Everything's in Things red. Things in red. Oh, anyway, I this know. one. Um, Sorry. Um, so, I love that because like, he wakes Brain up. It's like it's like twelve o'clock, and I love like, he he. It's literally a minute passes, and Brain is already sick of this Tom Fury. <laughs> I love that. Just... They didn't even have to say anything. It just looks the cock. We get this montage. Of um, Pinky and the Brain doing whatever Pinky wants, and I wrote down here. Ahem. Wait, 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 wait! Calm down! Stop! Where we go? It's a mile a minute. Wait! God damn it! Wait! Yes. Watch all the filters. I, I want to enjoy. I was busy writing down a Pinky Punk song. Beautiful. Oh, okay, that's good. I like that. Filters on it, like it's some MTV 2000 music video. I'm like, I think that was the point. Yeah, but it was so distracting. I couldn't really enjoy it because it was going like, yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. A lot of this cartoon is just sort of going around in all directions before they actually get on a hook. Because obviously, Pinky's still trying to figure out a way to take over the world, but he also wants to make sure that Pinky that I mean. The brain is still trying to take over the world, but he's still trying to make sure Pinky enjoys himself. And so it's like, it's a cartoon with a decent concept in search of a hook for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, so eventually they they get um, they get kicked out of the spa because they realized... I do have the line from Pinky, like, well, we got kicked out of the spa earlier than I thought we would, but... Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Which then leads to this great line from Pinky that... I also saw a bit of myself in, which is just Pinky, which is brain going. How is it that any time I ask you to do the most minuscule undertaking, it's plagued with disaster? But you seem to have today flawlessly mapped out to the very minuscule. Ah! Oh no, no, brain! I guess it's because these are things I want to do. What are you saying? <laughs> which I was thinking. Oh, that's me with this show. Yes, it that's is. Absolutely me with this show. I play way. Way more than I ever have in my life. When I have comes, to tell like, you all up in the that what will happen is that Mark will suggest something and I'll be like, yeah, that sounds good. And like, good. This is what I've already came up with. We are doing this at this date. And that means we have to do this then, which means tomorrow you have to do this, but do this before this date before else I need to do this. And I'm like, Mark, slow down. <laughs> Jordan just woke up. Jordan's a little sleepy. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah, but yeah, I do like how they just get taken away by car. Yeah, and which Pinky just says, "I don't know, Brain. I guess this is stuff I want to do," which is a very nice message. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's like I, I, 
I don't want to go to the world all the time. I want to do all this fun stuff. Going to yeah. Ferris wheel and like but, go to carnival and shit. And, but yeah, um, it does eventually have to clash because, you know, the brain finds this amulet that would be one of the many ways he could take over the world at some point and decides that that needs to be what he wants, but he has to make sure that it's also what Pinky wants. And it, it I actually kind of liked a lot of the stuff with this, where he's like trying, because it's, it's a really good, not slice of lifey, but kind of like just like well-written, well-scripted kind of, you know, he's trying to be friends with him, but he also wants what he wants. And he's trying to do this without like, you know him, him letting on and so it, it's it's very precarious he has to do the brain wants what he wants he wants what he wants he does yeah um i, I do like the line because they wind up at a, a, like a street fair yeah. and he's like oh yay it, it's street straight beans yeah <laughs> it's just brain going street beans pinky just <laughs> young street beans pinky is my jazz name like <laughs> awesome great fantastic so, um, yeah, so eventually, eventually it gets to a point where Pinky goes, okay, Brain, and now the next thing, you're Rachel, like, please, please well, what, is, what do you want me to do? Again, I got very much a Spongebob and Squidward feel of a lot of this, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, it just, it feels like a lot of this is kind of stuff that I'd seen before. Yeah, so, um, Brain then has to sing the Happy North Day song. Yes, which is and even funnier because he's it's 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 brain nonchalantly singing a, a punk song. First of all, that's that's led in with um, with Pinky setting up and going, you know, a one and a two and a three and a uh, four, four, because <laughs> he doesn't even know how to count up to the past three. Yeah, and, and just at the very end of the song, just goes four. Narf up, narf down, narf it all around, it's his narf day. Narf in, narf out, narf it all about, cause it's his narf day. Narf side to side, narf far and wide, narf wherever he decides. It's his narf day, it's his narf day. It's his narf day, it's his narf day. Stupid narf day. (laughs) So over this day already. And, uh, yeah, so we're nearing the end of the day. Brain tucks Pinky in. Pinky has the amulet next to him on his bedside, which is just a great detail. Because um, Brain said that the amulet was his gift to Pinky on his birthday. That's why. That's So there's that conflict. So Brain is trying to steal the amulet away from Pinky. They get into a bit of a tug of war, which leads to the amulet leaving the cage going to a windowsill, and then a pigeon who isn't one of the good feathers. He's a pigeon. It's a random pigeon that they didn't know that. Random pigeon. Jesus Christ, guys. At least get one of the ones that are voiced by Rob or Maurice. You know, right there. Might as well, you know. But um, anyways, the amulet gets destroyed. Brain reveals that what the amulet was is he needed to take over the world. To which, uh, you know, Pinky, you know, reve- it's like, listen, I, I'm sorry, but um, we get this reveal that it turns out it wasn't his birthday. It wasn't Pinky's birthday. It's a plot yeah. twist. Which I actually but liked this a lot. That was, yeah, it was very nice where 
it wasn't his birthday. His birthday was actually a couple months ago, but Bran was taking over the world then. So yes. Pinky moved his birthday to a time that could accommodate him to celebrate his birthday. And Brain didn't notice. Yeah. And Brain didn't And so he's giving all yes. of this and doing all of this for a friend that doesn't even really know about it and notice it. And honestly, there's something kind of heartbreaking about it. It is. Perhaps I did end up solving my absolute zero theory after all, Pinky. For I am an absolute zero when it comes to being a friend. Can you ever forgive me? I'm sure I can, Brain. That's what friends do. But can we do the last thing on my birthday list? Of course, Pinky. Whatever you want. I want to take over the world. <sighs> Come, Pinky. Then we must prepare for tomorrow night. Why, Brain? What are we going to do tomorrow night? Are you serious? You just said... Uh, never mind. The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world! Yay! Yeah, and the same way we usually end it. What is that? Are you serious? I just... It's its the why male models ending. So, the only grab I had, the only grab I had, was I feel the montage effects and shit was a bit too much. I thought it was a bit too yeah. overwhelming. Besides that, I love the heart this episode has. Um, I noticed that a lot of the new run of Pain in the Brain stuff has more of a heart to it. Good. A little more about I the like friendship between Pain in the Brain, which which I think that's based off the fact that at what, like, you know, what's everyone's favorite Pain in the Brain episode? Christmas their Christmas episode. special. <laughs> yeah. That was hard. So, of course, you know, I was like, yeah, well, let's do more, more heartfelt Pain in the Brain, which, hey, by all means, you know, these are great actors. Least they, they, they work great together. They can absolutely yeah. sell, sell these scenes, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. I really did. Let's I go. had some issues with this one, mostly just I think it took a little bit to, to get going. I think that it was a bit too reminiscent of a lot of SpongeBob stuff. Um, I did like a lot of the dramatic stuff once we got the amulet hook. I think that um, the stuff with Pinky and the Brain, just analyzing their friendship and going back about that, I think is really good and it has a really, really good ending. It just took a bit too long to really get there from. And I'm giving this a 4 out of 5 and I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 5. The last cartoon in this episode is a song. It's a song. It's uh, written by Lucas Cranless and Timothy Nash, written by Kitty Rice. And what it is, it's a song about the Magna Carta to King John III. <laughs> yeah. And I love the beginning of this because it's, it's like, hey, you know, Long ago, King John the Third was the... And then just Yakko rips the paper away and going, Hey, no time for backstory, George Lucas. We have five minutes. <laughs> this is a five-minute sketch, yeah. It's five uh, places, people. Right. And, yeah, because they know that... I think they probably knew writing this that this would be a third segment one where they're running out the clock. And so it's not going to be like the first one where they can actually you know, get a bit done. Although they did um, mention the, the timing in the first one. They're like, okay, we have five minutes until the episode ends. Let's get this one out of the way. So, you know, and it, it's it's a typical Warner's Annoy of yeah. a higher person. And it's great stuff here. Um, I like Dog trying to flirt with the guy. And she kisses him. And the animation on Dog, he, he, she gives an oogie, essentially, as she's about to throw up. Like, yeah, like, that's great. <laughs> 
Well, no. Oh, yeah, right. They should give him a four shower. I love that the animation, the speed, it's great. I love it. And, and, and they're trying to talk to, king, to, to this king. And the entire time, all Wacko thinks about is when's lunch. Yeah. To the point, to the point where there's a line where the king is like, okay, okay, we'll get this done. And then I'll have my lunch. <laughs> to Wacko to go, oh, so he gets a lunch. He gets lunch, but not not us. We got to sing the song. I like that. One thing I noticed immediately about this one, and this was a question that sort of puzzled me the entire um, segment. Why does King John's chin look like a pair of testicles? Why? Why, why, why? Is he a descendant of Peter Griffin? I mean, it would explain a lot of what Seth MacFarlane has done lately, but... More pronounced than the Peter Griffin. Like, there's there's definitely... It's hanging there. They must have done that intentionally. Some animator must have gone, Hey, look what I can do. Yeah, they... they there are shots where he's reading the paper. You can see the outline of the, yeah. the gender. It's like, oh, you're having fun, aren't you? Yeah, I fun think so. Yeah. And then we get the song. Yeah. We get this... And it's... Uh, it goes by very fast, and I didn't write down any of the lyrics because I, I didn't write down a ton of it. But I just liked how, again, it's a it's an Animaniac song. It's yeah. you know they're explaining how the Magna Carta works and how it works as as, as a way of law, and it's, it's educational as well. And it's explaining how how a government works and the functioning government works without becoming an anarchy, or without becoming a dictatorship, and how you know other governments have used it, and how it factors into. Um, the you know the U.S. government not becoming a dictatorship. Yeah, I mean, if it's like religion, there's yeah. this running through line of like, hey, if you want to meet the Pope, you gotta do this. And I do love the one shot of like he dreams of eating. He becomes laying the trap with this can and the Pope. That's great. I like that. I like that. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. And there's one line Yako sings from every corner of the earth, and it's. It's Yakko's world. It's, uh -huh. it's animated like it's okay. okay. Mark was getting guys. sick of it by this point. A little bit, yeah. But again, it's like if if the line is from every corner of the earth, why wouldn't you? You know. Oh, so and now you is, understand. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. I don't want to be a dick about a really good. You know what? I'll give you know what? I'll give a fun story about Yakko's world. There's a fun story about Yakko's world. In my eighth grade class, I was in eighth grade. We were doing, we were doing. I think we were just labeling countries. I think we were doing like, hey, geography, list these, tie the the name to the shape, essentially. And my my teacher was like, oh, kids just have to be a science classroom. So she went to the computer, typed in Yakko's World, and played Yakko's World. Hell and yeah. It was like the first. It was like the first time in a while I've seen Animaniacs. Yeah, you know, same thing. I'm like, hell yeah, Animaniacs. So, so yeah, yeah. It Yakko's Road helped my eighth grade geography test not be boring. Hell yeah. So, there you go. So yeah. So <laughs> I can hear this song, and um, the king's first. I was like, 
the warden's like, any questions? And King's like, yes, can you not do that again? Or something like that. He does not want another song. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, well, if you sign this, we won't sing another song. So he's just like, so he just signs it. Don's going like, yeah, there, there, initials there, initials there, there, there. <laughs> and um, I think they're about to do, I think King John says something. It's like, oh, well, I don't know how this works or something. Snacker goes, oh, well, we have our loot guy. We can play it. And he starts <laughs> to do like a da 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 The loot guy cracked me up, honestly. <laughs> And he just abdicates and jumps out the window. Yep, and then that's stranded. Stranded. It's a a very nice song. I enjoyed it. Yeah, entertaining. No, perfectly. Not a ton to it, but I liked it, especially as a song-driven historical one. You know, it works. Yeah, yeah. I give it a, a three point five out of five animals. That's exactly what I'm giving it. This was oh, this was a pretty good episode. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um. They started strong with the Echo Amok segment, and, and the, it, it didn't really differ in quality. I think it kept a pretty good, consistent quality throughout. Um, I don't agree. <laughs> that's fine. I think that's it went fine. downhill after Echo Amok, honestly. Well, I mean, I mean, when you do a short where literally anything is possible, it's like, okay, anything's possible, and here's this being the brain cartoon. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I, it had all the trappings of an anime episode. Nothing about it felt off. You know, no, no one felt out of character. It felt like an anime X episode today, which I really enjoyed. But also, yeah. what I also like is that because this is the second season, and, and it's all written at the same time, I think. But yeah, I remember clearly. I remember clearly from the from the first season. All the voice actors were saying this. The first season's good. The second season's amazing. Which, first mm-hmm. of all, do not do that. Do not do that. Like, oh yeah, the season just came out. It's good, but the second season's like, yeah, well, then no one's gonna it. watch your first season. Then that's not what Hulu exactly. Wants. Yeah, yeah, but why I remember from the first season, there's a lot of episodes and jokes that are like, you know, maybe I we I catch up. And I like with this episode, it was kind of, and it's, like, it can be told at any time, but within the past 20 years, pretty much, you know? It, it wasn't too, uh, wasn't too dated, if that makes any sense, to, to today, you know? It's like, oh, this is good, yeah. stand on its own, more than other episodes of the reboot, which I liked. No, I, I, I give this episode, again, I, I think that it... You know, it did, it did really well with Yakko and Yakko, and then the other two weren't as good for me. That's good concepts, but got, you know, it, it, it sort of just, you know, petered off. Um, but it's still got an episode, you know. Okay. I'm giving this episode a 4 out of 5 animals. I'm giving it a 3.5, but... I, we, we, actually, you know, with Yakko and Yakko, I think it, it, it the average goes up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same, honestly. Yeah. So... Um, we were struggling to figure out what we were going to do for our Halloween episode. And then HBO Max threw us a bone and gave us a new Looney Tunes special. So we're, (laughs) for Halloween, we're doing that. Yes, we're doing the Looney Tunes cartoons, Bugs, Bunnies, Hollow, is it Hollow Scream? Like, it's, it's. I forget, but it's a Halloween special, all right. It's Bugs Bunny's Hollow Scream Spooktacular. Yeah. Yeah. 
They pulled out all the stops. Uh, we're going to watch that because we enjoy the Looney Tunes cartoons and also because we like a good Halloween special. Yeah, because, like, wait, the only Halloween special we looked at was the Groovy Ghoulies one. So already, <clears throat> listen, listen, when it comes to Halloween specials and Looney Tunes, it's a very, very low bar. It's like, it's Groovy Ghoulies, it's Bugs' Hollow Hollow Scream special from, like, the, the mid to late 80s. That's just, you know, it's like, it's a, you know, old cartoons with new footage, so it's like a compilation film, essentially. This is 95% new stuff. There's yeah. one reused short, there's one reused short, fine. but, but given it's like, it's one of the, like, popular ones. It's a, it's one that yeah. a lot of people talk about, so. So I'm cool with it, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's all good. So we, you have that look to look forward to next week. Yeah. Halloween, man. Get spooky. All right. So that's the end of this week's episode. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Hallam, 1995. And you can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and probably plenty of other ones. All right. So until next week, foolish mortals, I'm Mark. And I'm Gene Shalit, and we will see Boo next week. Good night. Pigeon, the Girl Feathers, Pipsqueak, Ma, Steven Siegel, Slappy and Skippy Squirrel, Walter Wolf, Steven Wolf, Sid the Squid, Beanie the Brain Dead Pison, Stink Bob the Bassett, Bumpo Bassett, Candy Chipmunk, Cogger Egbert, Lean Hiskill, Doug the Dog, Vina Wally, Daniel Boone, Duke, Miss Butley, Reef Blunt, Rita and Runt, Dr. Frankenstein, Scout, Mr. Squeak, Mrs. Mumphead, Crackers the Parrot, Kiki the Angry Ape, Mr. Politician, Missy, Ma, McCoy, Buns and Mindy, Mindy's mother, Mindy's father, Katie Kaboom, Tinker Kaboom, Mr. and Mrs. Kaboom, Jared, my neighbor Mink, Newt, Wilford B. Wolf, the Hip Hippos, Dr. Gina Embryo, the Maid, the Punishing Petersons, Mr. Director.